Welcome back to the show. This is On My Way to School with Adam Peterson. This is episode number three of the podcast, and I am very, very fortunate to sit down in this episode with my good friend Cheryl Turner, an expert educator from Georgia, and we got together while we were in Las Vegas at the SDE National Conference 2018 and sat down for a little chat. So any background noise that you hear in this episode is just people at the exhibit hall where we were recording this, but we are very excited to have her on the show. Without further ado, let's get right into sitting down with my good friend Cheryl Turner. So Cheryl, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Adam. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. So first, let's talk about people who might not know who you are. Who are you? What do you do? Background of education? Anything you can tell us about? Okay. Well, um, I've been in education my whole adult life. I was a classroom teacher. Um, I was an instructor in a university, and then I started training teachers, um, you know, like about 2005, and I do that exclusively now. I have my own consulting company. It's called Reach. TLS, and the TLS stands for Teaching Learning Solutions, and um, I'm all over the country just uh, working with teachers. A lot of them are early childhood educators, but I work with school age as well. Um, A lot of my time is spent um, uh, helping people with strategies for developing social-emotional learning skills, uh, classroom management classroom climate, developing community in our classrooms, but I also focus on literacy, early literacy tactics and strategies, uh, as well as um, topics on play and uh, just a, a bunch of things. You use some big, big keywords there too, like climate and community, which are huge in education right now and helping really kids are. cope, especially when class sizes are growing and, and all that. So that, that's a huge piece of advice. So one thing that I asked you about was a good piece of advice, and you gave me information that I wish I would have thought of 13 years ago when I started, and it was a tip that I asked you to give to teachers who mm-hmm. might be listening to this on their way to school. Maybe their morning started stressful, and you had an awesome idea. So what was that tip for, for leaving things out of the classroom? Well, it's something that I learned as a, as a classroom teacher that was really important. We all have our own lives and, you know, busy lives and our own set of, you know, concerns and problems. Um, but something that I learned to do was I would keep um, a little uh, sticky pad, just a little, you know, post-it pad in my car. And all the things that were I was thinking about, maybe, you know, paying my bills or, you know, uh, some issue, you know, a family issue or whatever. I would take those things and just make a short little jot list when I rolled up into the parking lot of the school. And then... Um, Take that sticky note, stick it on my dash, and say, problems, I'll see you when I get back. I love that. Um, the, the whole thing is our kids need not even 100%. They need 125% of our energy, effort, love, caring, and um, our, our wisdom. And so we, we can't splinter ourselves. So I, I realized that I, had, I really was devoted to giving them everything I had and guess what? The problems were still there when I got back to the car. <laughs> they were still sitting there on the dashboard. <laughs> and sometimes they're still there the next day, right? Yep, they, sur- <laughs> they sure were. And it doesn't help uh, every individual child in my classroom if I walk in with my stress. on my- Because they bring all their baggage in in their little backpacks, too. Oh, totally. So. And that's a hard thing as, a, as an educator and also as a, as a parent, as a community member, as, as anybody that's part of something. I know like my wife and I, we teach in the same school. And it's so hard sometimes to separate school and family and life. And, and I know Absolutely. people say teachers take work home all the time, but there's sometimes where you cannot. You have to separate. 
life and career and, and it, it you do it's and a struggle what I learned um, you know after you know I was raising kids I, my kids are all grown now but I was raising kids and doing all the things that people do when I was as a classroom teacher I was in a classroom for 17 years and you know I just realized that I was better when I could separate those things we have to be good to ourselves we have to take time to decompress to to do the things that we enjoy and then when we get back to our classrooms we're better Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's really important that we can separate that's great all right so going on that that um, leaving your problems in the car leaving your stress out of the classroom. One of the things I want to talk to you a lot about, because you have such a huge amount of knowledge on this, is students who may be coming from a situation of poverty. And that is a big topic um, all around the nation, I think, because Absolutely. it's one of those things our friend Kim Adsit says at the time, if you've, if you've never experienced, you really don't know. And Absolutely. she talks about some great books that are out there on it, but you are kind of an expert in your own right with this. You do a big seminar on working with students in poverty. And I'd just like to know your best advice if there's a, you know, maybe a new teacher or someone new to the classroom Mm -hmm. in a situation or an area where this is happening and and they're struggling. What what are some tips you'd give? Well, I do, uh, uh, you know, I, I do some training on this because it is so pervasive, much more than people realize. People often think of poverty as being kind of an inner city thing or when actually um, poverty can affect people in every uh, demographic, every geographic location, rural, urban, um, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't discriminate. Um, what we want to be concerned with as educators is not, oh my goodness, this is something that I can't control. This is something that I can't fix. But what we do want to be concerned with is how does, how do, do stress situations, stress-induced uh, or stressful situations such as poverty or other trauma situations that children face, how do those impact their learning? And how do they impact their social emotional development? Because they do. So um, that's what we focus on. I would, um, you know, for two short important tips, I would say this. You have to focus on safety. Oftentimes children who are in situations where they have had their livelihood or their safety feel threatened, that's what they come into the classroom looking for. And when they don't feel safety, they cannot learn. You will not get anywhere with a child who is uh, dealing with hunger or undernourished or who is, um, you know, has... Uh, home insecurity or maybe homelessness um, where there's maybe violence in the home um, or a, a parent is incarcerated or a parent has, you know, drug issues or um, other kinds of things that can be related to poverty. That child is not ready and prepared to learn. Their brain cannot do it. And so what we have to do is create an environment of safety and we have to create relationships. Those are the two main things. And of course, we're doing that with all of our children. But it's very important for children who have adverse situations that they're affected by. Those are great, great tips. I love that. And, and I think it's something that's so important to hear. And I'll, and I'll be honest, I, I didn't grow up in, I guess, what I don't know how to classify a poverty situation mm-hmm. per se. Um, I didn't experience a lot of that. I mean, right. we all see it in all school districts. There's always you know, kids who come from different low-income backgrounds, whatnot. Right. But there, there's a difference between someone who's 
maybe, and I hope I say this politically correct, living in a low-income situation mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who's coming from a true life of poverty? So, you know, that, that's such a good question, Adam, because we all, no matter what our background, we all have a mental image of what something that pops into our brain when we hear the word poverty. Um, you know, federal standards, the poverty line, that's kind of a technical definition. People that fall below that, that would be a technical definition for poverty. But really, a better definition for poverty is um, it's a, just an experience, a chronic experience that results from a whole bunch of different social and economic, what we call, risk factors. And so it's typically a result of multiple risk factors, not just one. And so, you know, it's very pervasive. It is very, um, it can be generational. And, um, you know, it's really just, um, it's, it's not it's not an urban problem or a rural problem. One of the things that I always try to point out to teachers is that poverty is a problem for everyone, not just for the poor. And so the bottom line is quality teaching that really reaches children has a greater effect on that school success than the poverty, than the effects of poverty. So what we don't want to do is fall into the trap of feeling just sorry for kids and you know having a sympathy um, perspective. But what we want to do is help them overcome the barriers that poverty can create. And in order to do that, again, we have to get, we have to build relationships with children and we have to create an environment where they feel a sense of safety. That's great. Thank you for explaining that so well, too. That is perfect. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I know you're going to hate me for this. I probably you, will. You, <laughs> so this is one of the things, I, I, one of your session titles is one of my favorite titles, and it's the Wiggle. W- tell me what it is again. Oh, it's Wiggle, Giggle, and Jam. Wiggle, Giggle, Jam, Music and Movement. So yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot with this. If you had to tell a pre-K, K-1 teacher mm-hmm. that they could only use one song in their classroom today, what would be the ah. one song you would go to for movement? Not, not just a listening, but like a movement song. Well, you know, there's so many. It's tough. <laughs> Tootie Ta is, I have to admit, a personal favorite. That's a good go-to. That's a good go-to. But what I always advise teachers to do is make a big, long list of familiar songs, okay? Familiar songs, Row, row, row your boat, you know, Three Blind Mice, uh, London Bridge, all the familiar songs, you know, Farmer in the Dale, all of the familiar songs you know. And from that list, you can just make up a song to that tune for whatever you need it for, for a transition. So if it's like, wash, wash, wash your hands, wash them, you know, whatever. I love when teachers don't feel like they have to, okay, what's, what's the song I wanted to use today? Just create songs that fit with the moment. That's part of what we do in Wiggle, Giggle, and Jam. Um, but the, the whole idea of that training is that we got to keep kids moving because guess what? They're going to move anyway. That's true. And we got to do it in the right way. And <laughs> so if you do not channel that movement, you are going to feel like, a, you know, you're swimming upstream all day and you go home tired they go home the same way they got there. And then you're sticking more notes on your dashboard the next morning, that's right? That's <laughs> right. That's right. They are wired to move. The other thing is the movement is what uh, stimulates thinking. 
And so if you are just, you know, crisscross applesauce and kids, you know, all day long, today, you know, you will be, again, you, you go home tired, they go home the same way they got there. You go home frustrated, they go home the same way they got there. Um, kids are wired to move. They need to move. That's how they learn. That's what that whole training is about. So awesome. Tootie Ta is my fave, but you know, there's you can't probably go wrong some with others. Tootie Ta. You can't go wrong. Good. See, I put you on the spot and you defined. Look at that. <laughs> Good job. This is why you're an expert in what you do. Well. All right. So Cheryl, this is awesome. We're kind of running out of time here, but I am so, so thrilled with the answers I got from you and just the knowledge that pours out of you when I'm around you. So thank you so wow. much well, for all of this. It was an honor to be here with you. I hope that, um, some of the teachers that hold, heard my voice, I hope something I said um, would help you in some small little way at some point. Well, thank you. So to, to move on from here, where can people find you? How can people find out more about you? I know you're going to be all over the country with SDE I, and other presentations. I am. But I train a lot with SDE, so I'm all over the country, but I live in Atlanta, Georgia. The name of my company is Reach, like Reach for the Stars. <laughs> it's Reach TLS. Teaching Learning Solutions is what that stands for. And uh, check out my Facebook page. You just go to www.facebook.com backslash ReachTLS. Or um, shoot me an email. It's Cheryl at ReachLearningSolutions.com. Perfect. And just reach out to me. Just think reach out to Cheryl. Um, I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to meet some of you. Uh, I'd love to talk to you about some things that are going on in your classroom with your kids. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. You we were will... great. Thanks All for right. having me. Catch Take you on the next episode. Thank you for listening, everybody. And there you go, everybody. That was episode number three with Cheryl Turner. She mentioned how to get a hold of her, but you can find all of that in the show description as well. Until next time, thank you for listening and go make today the best day ever. Mm-hmm.